0: I was going to start off this morning by giving Chris a, a little bit of a hard time about me once again preaching on a holiday weekend, which y'all have probably come to expect, but I'm not going to bring that up, okay? And uh, uh, then I thought about, well, I'll give him a hard time because it's the first Sunday with the new audio equipment, and I'm the guinea pig for that, but I'm not going to bring that up, so so don't worry about that, um, uh, this morning, we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 2, uh, one verse in particular, but I want us to look, we're going to read from 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. Um, I want to kind of give you a little bit of background of my history with this verse. When um, I had, uh, I was planning to go to seminary, at Covenant Seminary, and I was working for Enterprise Rent-A-Car, and I had this job where I was able to either listen to the radio or I sat in a little Cubicle, and um, I was able to listen to radio, either music, and sometimes I would listen to some sermons. Well, one of my buddies, um, who was actually a student at Covenant Seminary, uh, sent me a sermon uh, by uh, the president uh, Brian Chapel, and it was actually on First Corinthians two two. Chris, you were there at the time. You probably skipped chapel that day, but um, I uh, I actually. Listen to that sermon uh, probably about a dozen times over the next month. It was a verse that I'd never really been exposed to. And since then, I've taught it many times. I've taught it to youth, to adults. And so uh, hopefully you will see uh, by the time we get done today, how, uh, maybe why this was such a powerful verse for me. So I'm going to read it. Then we're going to pray. And then we're going to jump in. 1 Corinthians two verses one through five. And when I came to you, brothers, when and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and And of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. So much for your word, I pray this morning that it would uh, be the beginning of change for us, change to more trust in you and in what you have done and in the message of what you had done, you have done for us. Father, I pray for us as individuals, as families, as a church. That the message of Christ and him crucified would be the one thing. That we can trust in. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. One of the, uh, the more enduring uh, stories uh, for the Christmas season is the story of Scrooge. It's one of my favorite stories. And um, I like. Actually, all of the kind of manifestations that have taken place in movies. I like the original story as it's written by Dickens in a Christmas carol. And, uh, you know, the story story of Ebenezer Scrooge, a very greedy, miserly, mean, miserable old man. Who. We kind of see all the misery, we see the greed, we see the meanness. And then at the end of a work day. Um, he begins to be visited. It's actually Christmas Eve. He is visited by four ghosts. The first one, of course, is his old partner warning him of three other ghosts that are coming. The ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present and then the ghost of Christmas future, right? Well, what do they do? They bring a message to him. and It's kind of a, a message of, of change for him and it becomes an instrument of change for him. For me, though, that the, the two spirits that come to him that I I think are are for me are the most powerful. The first one is is the ghost of Christmas past, because if you've seen it and I I confess when I picture this story, it's the Muppet Christmas Carol version. So you just need to know that's what's going on in my head when I'm talking about this. And which I think is a superior rendition of the story, Um, because when he looks back, He looks back at his life as a a, a young boy, as a young man, one who's growing up. And there's a lot of he you you actually start to see a little bit of softness in him when he's looking back on this. But then as soon as he starts seeing some things that make him smile. He starts seeing some some of the things that make him very sad, too. When he looks back, it's very powerful to me because. If, if he hadn't looked back and, and, and been, there had been no softness, the things that made him sad and the things that he regretted and the things that he lost would not have been as powerful. And then I think the ghost of Christmas future is pretty powerful, too, because, number one, there's a lot of regret there, too, and a sense of loss there as people don't mourn him at all. And he sees what's coming I think it's a very powerful the way he is confronted with what's coming and what was past and how that changes him. And there was a message that did that. It's the message of the spirits that help him see the past and future so clearly he gets perspective. Well, we're at the end of the year, right? We're at the end of the year. And there's two things that people typically do at the end of the year. They look back and they look forward, right? You look back and if you're anything like me and you're reading the news and you're reading, you know, you're going through your social media feeds and things like that. Um, you're seeing lots of best of lists, lots of of retrospectives about what happened in the news in the past year. And you're probably looking back over your own year. And then there's the year coming. What's coming in the year? What what can we expect? And that's normal. I mean, most most people do that. Now, some people will actually Go, I, I don't, I, this year was so bad, I don't want to look back at this year. And then some people, they may know a little bit of what's coming, and they're like, I don't even want to think about the coming year. Just give me one day at a time, okay? Um, I think Paul's decision that we see here in 1 Corinthians 2.2, 2, when he says, I, have decided, I decided when I was with you, to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. I think that's a good place to start to get perspective over the past year and the coming year. OK, so that's where we're going to go. I me mean, I'm sorry, there's no outline and your uh, like there normally is. Here's for, for you, note takers. First thing we're going to do is we're going to look at this decision. OK, so the decision Then we're going to look at the past year and then we're going to look at the future year. OK, so first the decision Um. You know, if, if you stop and you read this, it's actually it's, like, it's kind of a strange statement, isn't it? That when, when Paul says, I, I decided to know nothing among you uh, that word decided there, I don't, I, you know, means decided or to judge. I, 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 I looked at everything and I said, I'm going to judge that it is best for me when I'm among you to know nothing but Christ him crucified. Now, that may sound a little bit strange because Paul writes about a lot of things in all his letters, doesn't he? I mean, he writes about all kinds of issues, church issues, unity within the church issues, division within the church. He talks about that. He talks about moral issues a lot. He talks about money. He talks about how to take care of the poor. He talks about marriage. He talks about all kinds of things in times, whether, you know, whether the end is come whether Jesus has come back. I mean, he, he talks about all kinds of things, doesn't he? So in some ways, it's kind of a strange statement. But here's here's what I think Paul is saying, OK? Paul is saying that and you'll see this if you were to go back and you were to test me today and go back and read through Paul's letters, whether he's writing to the churches or he's writing to people, you will see this. That every issue that he writes about is actually anchored in the subject of Christ and him crucified. I think when he says I decided to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified, he is saying that his resolve was to make sure that they saw that every issue, every everything, every every relationship issue, every church issue, every moral issue, marriage, everything comes down to understanding and trusting in the power of. Of Christ and crucified. And he wanted his listeners. His original. These listeners in Corinth. To understand that. That they That the change that they have experienced. And when they change. They. You know. Paul's expectation is not. Do you just change. And saying. I now believe in Christ. And I trust in him. For my eternal salvation. But I think about everything differently. And so he's saying. That the one thing that we can trust for change. And the one thing that did change you. Was my message to you of Christ in him crucified. Now, Paul saw that the singular message was the one thing that they needed to hear, and every other issue that they would face would actually be seen through the lens of Christ and crucified. So so the idea is, is that he's going to put some put a, a he's going to look through a lens at every everything every issue, every idea And look through it through the issue of Christ and crucified, meaning the gospel, the the subject of what Christ has done for us. Through the crucifixion, through his work on the cross and his resurrection, the idea what he wanted to say was, I resolved, I decided I judged best that when I discuss things with you. And when we talk about an issue. I decided that I wanted you to look at that through the lens of the gospel. Of the justifying work of Christ on the cross for sinners. So in other words, the gospel. Of us, of God saying. I offer you forgiveness, a message of forgiveness for you to trust in. It's not in your own works. It's in the work of Jesus. Paul's saying that's the one message. Now I, I I think we are on safe ground. That even though Paul didn't say. This is the one message you. You know. You have to always be thinking of. He doesn't say that. He's, he's describing his own thing. But he did say it was the one message they needed to hear. And if we believe that. This is the word of God. Then I think logically we can say. This is the one thing we need to hear. We need to. We need to decide that we know Christ and him, and him crucified. And I think it at the end of the year and at the beginning of a new one, we can get some help as we get perspective. I want us to look at this past year through the lens of Christ and him crucified, the gospel. And I want us to then look at the year ahead the same way. So let's let's do that. Let's start first with the past year. It's very common for people to get to the end of the year and to look back on it. Right. You look back and you start evaluating things. You start going, well, this was a good year or this was a bad year. This is places where improvement needs to take place or this is a place where we did really well. We need to continue doing this. We start making evaluations, getting perspective. Now, the temptation is, is to do this and compare yourself to either other years or to compare yourself to other people, right? I mean, that's the temptation. The temptation is to, is to go, well, 2013 wasn't as good as 2012. Or maybe, or remember 2009? That was awesome. And so, you know, let's, let's try to get another 2009 and 2014 because 2013 was not that, okay? Or we look maybe across the street Figuratively speaking, we look at our neighbor, we look at somebody else here in the church, we look at other people, maybe people we work with, and we start going, hmm, my, my year was really, really awful compared to them. I want us to do something a little bit different. I want us to actually do what I'm going to call a reverse resolution for the year that's ending. Okay? Okay. We're used to doing resolutions for the year for the year coming up. I want us to do a reverse resolution, one for the year that just in it, that just ended. And I think a good place to start is with First Corinthians 22. two. I want us to look back at 2013. And I want us to look back at all the things of 2013 and to, res- and to make a resolution to decide to look back at 2013 through the lens of what Christ has done for us in being crucified through his life, through his death, through his resurrection. In other words, I want us to look back at 2013 through the lens of the gospel. Here's what I mean. We'll all look back at 2013 with probably three things, okay? Some more than others, Okay. We're going to do it with three things. We're going to look back probably with some thanksgiving. Some of you more than others. We will probably look back with some loss. Some of us more than others. And we will probably look back with regret in 2013. Some of us more than others. Let's start with thanksgiving. I want you to think back over 2013. Reasons to be thankful. Times when, times of joy, happiness, good time with your family maybe. Maybe you had a really good vacation with your family and you're like, nobody got sick. I mean, nobody got sick in our family at Christmas and that is like the greatest vacation ever. Because that never happens. And you look back over the year and you look and you go, you go, these really good things happen and I am so thankful for them, the reasons for thanksgiving. And so when we look back on those things, we look and we go, God, these are examples of you. You're you're taking care of us. You provided for us. You did you did something for us. And we're so thankful. And we know that that in doing these things that you love us, not because so much that you just gave them to us, these reasons for thanksgiving, but because of the cross. Because we know that you love us because of the cross. And anytime we have a reason for happiness and joy, we look at the cross and we go, this is a God who loves us so much that he gave his son for us. And therefore, when we are in the middle of these enjoy and, you know, these reasons for enjoyment, these reasons for Thanksgiving, we can be sure that he loves us. You've had that moment of Thanksgiving, you're sitting there and And and, 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 and everything, you're just like, man, I'm just so thankful for this God who has done this for me. And and, and it's almost kind of like that, you know, and Jesus too? So when we look back in Thanksgiving, do it through the lens of the gospel. Now, some of us, a lot of some loss or a lot of loss. This past year and you're like, I want to see 2000, the dust of 2013 in my rearview mirror. And so but. Here's what I think we need to do. I mean, think of the kinds of loss you can have Uh, loss of a family member because they passed away loss of a relationship. Maybe a loss of um, a job. A loss of income. A loss of a a possession even that was very uh, meaningful to you. Maybe the loss of trust of someone. When we look back on those losses through the lens of the gospel. We can look back and we can go, God. I know that you are doing something. You are showing me something. Maybe it's, it's that you are faithful even in the midst of loss. That the cross stands fixed even when things seem to kind of be temporary because you lose them. Maybe it's it's the loss of a relationship and you go, I know that even though I've lost this relationship, that I have the love of the father and I know I have the love of the father, even when I doubt it, because we all doubt it. Even when I doubt it, I know I have it because I can look at Christ and him crucified. I can look at the story of what you have done in Jesus and I can be reminded that I am loved. Or maybe you look back. With regret. I mean. I think all of us, if we're honest, we can look back with regret because we all have a sin problem, right? We look back and we go. We go, I. I regret the way I lived in this area of my life this past year. I was too angry with my children. I was, I was not a good employee. I was not good to my wife. I was not a good neighbor. I was, and, and so you, or I didn't, or maybe it's just regret over you took a job that now you don't like. Or you didn't take a job and now you're like, man, I wish I'd taken that job. But we look back with Regret. And when we look back on that regret, it doesn't just I mean, because let's face it, regret bad, over bad decisions and our sins can paralyze us. The way to keep it from paralyzing us is to is to look at those things through the lens of the gospel. And in every sin, every bad decision, everything that needs to be forgiven and everything that needs to be wiped away. We can look back and go. Christ and him crucified for these things. So my what I want us to do, I, I, I want to be the kind of person and I think I, I want you. I mean, I definitely want you to be the kind of person also that makes a reverse resolution to look back. And you don't have to do it just for 2013, maybe 2012. You're still you still got loss and regret that you're dealing with. Maybe it goes back to 2003. Look back through the lens of the gospel. What about the past year? I mean, the the future year. The year that is coming up. We're at that point where all of us are making decisions. We're deciding to make resolutions for the coming year. Some of us will decide to lose weight. Some of us will decide to exercise more. Some of us will decide to eat better. My wife has informed me that we're going to be eating healthy. So let me go ahead and apologize for being unkind to you over the next few months. Some of us will make the decision to read more or something. We will do something less or something more. And we will make a decision to do it because a new year is coming. We want to turn over a new leaf, right? Well, I know this may sound kind of cliche, a little sentimental, maybe trite. But what about a resolution to dig deeper? Into what it means to trust in the the fact that we have Christ and him crucified. Not and I don't want you to hear this just as is therapy. I think it can be therapeutic, but not as, as therapy so much as a way for us to trust him more by looking back and now looking forward So we're looking forward to 2014 and and saying, God, I want to I want to resolve to trust you more in 2014. Let's just use three ways. God, I want to trust you more in I want to love you more. I want to 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 go deeper into who you are as the one who is giving us. Who has given us Jesus and him crucified in my thanksgiving. I don't want it to be a banal, boring thing when I am happy about something or joyful about something. I want it to be something that resounds into me being one who sees the Christ and him crucified in every joy that I experience, knowing that they're all blood bought. What about loss? I mean, I, I know this may sound a little, a little depressing, but someone in this room is going to experience a significant loss this year. There's too many people in this room for us to, not, for us to, to, to deny that. It's going to be one of those kinds of losses. Somebody's going to, some, you know, it's just the way it's going to be. How, God, I, I, I want to decide To look forward to 2014 and the loss that I know that is coming. I don't know what kind of loss it is, but I want to trust you because you're trustworthy because I've seen it in Christ and him crucified in the gospel. And even in the midst of the loss, I trust you because of the cross. What about regret? We're all going to do something this year that I mean i am I, I will probably start six forty five on new year 's morning regretting something. my kids will get up earlier than they 're supposed to and come in there and disturb my devotional or something and I will yell at them and I will start that the regret will start there okay, but we will all Do something because we know that that we're we're sinners, right? We have a a sin problem. And so we're going to do things that we regret. And so through 2014, God, I will believe the gospel, that the gospel that you have forgiven my sins based on not my repentance, not based on my faith, not based on anything but the work of Jesus on the cross, him crucified. Taking the penalty for the sins that I will commit in 2014. So a reverse resolution and then a normal resolution to decide to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. As we go forward and as we look back now. Last thing. Um, I don't really like New Year's resolutions a whole lot. For one very simple reason. Um, Did you know that only 8% of people actually keep their New Year's resolutions? I actually thought that was kind of high because I don't think I've ever kept one. And so I just kind of gave up doing them. So you may be thinking, that's great, Matt. But just like my resolution last year, I actually saw somebody last night on, on Twitter who said, I've got. I've got um, so many hours to lose 30 pounds and learn to play the banjo. <laughs> I thought, that's true. That's, that, 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 that is a good picture of our culture and the way we think about resolutions, isn't it? Um, the chances of us failing in our resolutions is very, very high. So, Matt, I don't do very good with the this resolution. actually sounds a little bit harder than me reading a few more books this year or me losing a little bit of weight. What if I fail? What if we fail? What if we, 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 we get into February and we're like, I haven't changed much. I'm still not looking. I, those lenses of the gospel, I have not picked them up at all. I am not looking at my life, at the difficulties of my life and the joys of my life through the lens of the gospel. What then? There's a built in remedy for that. The built in remedy is is that you look in even your failure when you have not decided to look at Christ crucified. You look at him, you look at that through the lens of Christ and Him crucified. Because that's why he died. He died not for people who get it right. He died for those who forget him and his work week in and week out. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word. And I pray, Father, that your word would be the thing that stands. I, I hope that I have honored it so that we would all walk away. Wanting to know nothing but Christ and crucified as we look back at 2013 and forward to 2014. May your Holy Spirit continue to do work in our hearts. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.